Are you ready for this final installment? Let's go. Can I just give it to you like it's in my heart? I'm going to anyway. Um, okay, cool. So we've been, uh, the theme verse for the series is Matthew 4. If you have your Bibles, your iPhones, uh, just open your eyelids, everybody. No sleeping. And uh, let's go to Matthew 4, verse 18 and 19. Here's what Scripture says. It says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. Why? For they were fishermen. They were doing what they do, they were in their occupation. They were in their form of their livelihood. And here's the words of Jesus. So he's starting his earthly ministry. These are his first words to who would be his future disciples. And he said, follow me, which wasn't like question mark. It wasn't suggestive. Sometimes we can take God's word that our commands and directives and we can just be like, question mark, follow me? No, it was like, follow me. But it wasn't also on the other side of the pendulum, like an angry follow me or else, you know, it wasn't that. It was like, I have the words of life. I have what you really want. If you knew what I knew, so follow me. You can't get it until you just take that first step. So come on, let's do this thing. Amen. He says, follow me and I'm going to make you something. Yeah. How many want God to make you something? Yeah. Now, when I read this, and if I didn't know the end result, I would think, Okay, what does God want to make me? Well, he needs to make me nicer sometimes. Anybody else? He needs to make me uh, just friendlier, um, holier. Come on. I mean, you would think there's a lot of great things that God needs to make us. He didn't choose any of those. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So many times we feel unqualified to participate in God's plan. But let me tell you, God doesn't only invite you into his family. He enlists you in his mission. Oh, that was good right there. That was, that was about 68% better than you responded. Come on, be excited about that. It's why we don't immediately go to heaven after we give our life to Christ. That God says, not only am I going to give you eternal life, but I want you to be a part of the team. I want you to be a part of the mission that I'm doing on the earth. Remember the prayer of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer? You probably, if you played sports, you like quoted it like verbatim before a game. You're like, we're going to lose, but our Father who art in heaven. You're putting your eye paint on. Hallowed be thy name. We're going to lose by 40. Um, you're just asking God. He's like, yeah, there's no chance here. But you're, you know what I mean? Like that was the prayer of Jesus. And that's what we do sometimes. But we have this opportunity to not just have eternal life with God. And we do. But we can be a part of his mission on the earth. And we can. And this is a message that's near and dear to the heart of God. I would say if there's any one message that sums up the heart and ministry of Jesus and the Father in heaven, uh, while Jesus was on earth and the Father was in heaven, it is this, help me find what's lost. I would say God is maybe distracted more by what's lost than he is by what's found. Yeah. And you know, it's amazing because that hurts my feelings a little bit. I'm like, well, I'm a Christian. I want you to take care of me. And he will, but he wants you to not worry about you. He said, I will supply your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why don't you just handle what I'm concerned about on earth, and that is my lost kids, and then I'm going to take care of you while you do that. Oh, that's good news, somebody. And I'm a parent, so I understand it a little bit more that God's a father. He's not just a God. He's a father. So his heart is for that which is lost. And I have three kids. And if we lose one of them, I can't say, hey, that's a, that's a pretty good percentage still. Two out of three ain't bad. That's good for Major League Baseball hitters, but that's not good for a parent, okay? God is focused on that which is lost almost to say, 
If, if we come, think about if you've lost a kid and someone come, one of your other kids that has not lost comes and goes, hey, what time's dinner? I'm hungry. Can, would, you, would you help me find my kids? Like, what do you, don't worry about dinner. If you're not concerned by what I'm concerned about, get out of my way. God loves you, but we've got to understand this is mandate. This is missional. And God is focused on lost things. I've lost my keys recently. And uh, it was a real bummer because I take pride, Lord forgive me, in um, kind of putting myself in a consistent place on a consistent basis. I can get a little too prideful in that way. Lord, I need prayer, okay? I need to make room in that area. But I'm kind of just innately good at that. And it was a real humble moment uh, when I couldn't find my keys. But never in the search for my keys did I go, well, at least I have my wallet. No, I was distracted. I don't care about my wallet. Where's my keys? And God is the same way. So Jesus, when he started his earthly mission, he had one agenda. He was building his team. He was starting out. And he says, mission number one, point number one, fishers of men. I want you to be fishers of men. So week one, we laid the foundation of that. What does that even mean theologically? If you didn't have the chance to be here, go watch it on YouTube. Share it with a friend maybe if it, if it blesses you. Week two, we talked about the approach. Okay, now that I understand theolo- theologically and then I, I kind of see the heart of God, okay, how can I partner with heaven? And so we talked about, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone and five easy practical steps to go from not doing anything to being in the game with God. Today, I want to continue that thought but also put a small twist on it and to help you with the words because it's like the popcorn's popping. And when it's game time, it's game time. And so I, it's really simple today. And I apologize if you're like, well, I wanted it deep. I want, and, and what you mean is confusing. You want to leave confused. You're like, I don't know what that was. That was all. No, no, no. I want to make it simple today. Good. I think Jesus was notorious for taking spiritual complexities and simplifying them. So I think part of my job, my role in the body of Christ, and you have a role too, but one of my primary roles is to take complex things and simplify them so that we all can understand and apply them to our life. And the church said a good amen right there. Amen. Okay, so let me give you this verse. Uh, it's a great verse. 1 Peter 2. It says, but you are the chosen, or you are the ones chosen by God. You. <laughs> You're like, no, man, I tithe. It's you. I'm just sitting here. I'm just taking some. I paid my tithe, bro. You preach. I'm just going I'm just going to get me some me time and some no. No, that's not what the scripture says. It says, you are the ones chosen by God. Watch this. And here's why you're chosen. For a high calling of priestly work. Whoa, time out. A, I'm not sure it's me. I think it's you. And I'm definitely not a priest. But the word priest there is the word minister. And the word minister comes from a nursing term. And 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 a nursing term of ministry just simply means you're someone who tends to the needs of others and we're all called to that so don't filter it through what you think a priest is when the bible saying we are called to the sphere and area where god has already given us influence for these guys it was fishing notice god didn't say stop doing that and come do this no he said i'm going to put eternal purpose on what you're already doing Oh, somebody, I'm getting excited. I'm not even to point one. Okay, so then he goes on to say, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him. To what? Tell others the night and day difference 
God has made for you. No, I don't know doctrine that well. God didn't ask you. He just said, tell people what God has done in your life. Well, I don't know the story of Jonah and the well. I'm not even sure if I believe it. He didn't ask that. Noah in the ark. He didn't ask that. He just said, tell others the night and day difference God has made in you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. I love the message paraphrase. It's not a translation, but it gives us an additional picture with some street language, some words that we use in our everyday life so we can see the heart of God in a fresh way. But God has chosen you, Palm City. I don't care if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. The hand of God and the call of God is on your life. And if we ever respond to that, only heaven knows the type of party we could have here in Wesley Chapel, Land of Lakes, and all the surrounding areas. To God be the glory. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, first, we tell our story. I wrote it down this way. Tell my story. I wrote it that way so I could personalize it. Because you know what's great about my story? It's mine. You know what's great about your story? It's yours. It's that moment where you decided to follow Jesus. Not some guy they don't know yet preaching a sermon. That has a place and a value. I'm going to share that in just a minute. But there's nothing that takes the place of the vulnerability and the authenticity and that unrehearsed, unscripted story that you have of man, like the guy in the Bible, I don't know everything. I just know I was blind and now I see. I met this man, Jesus, and I'm not sure I know the Greek words or the Hebrew words for healing, but I got healed. My life has changed and now I can see my life in a fresh way. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, but in your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. Notice it starts on the inside where we just begin to have a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord. Not because we need to be afraid of him, but because we realize he's God. He's running this junk. It doesn't seem like it to our natural minds, but God is in control. God never does not have a plan. He is sovereign. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And that we can revere him, not just as Savior, but as Lord of our lives. And the Bible goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer. Well, I've heard that verse, and that's what scares me. Because <laughs> I don't know the answer. It's simply the word defense. Not defending things you don't know, just defending, hey, here's why I decided to follow Jesus. And the Bible says when you share your reasoning, your thought process, your personal journey, here's what happens. You give people a reason for the hope you have. Hey, I know what you're going through. Why are you still smiling? Hey, you raised your hands in church, and I kind of know how your finances are going. What's up with that? that it gives people the reason for the hope we have. Oh yeah, I serve a God who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm not sure how it's gonna work out, but I know the one who's gonna work it out. So I'm gonna praise him, not just after the miracle, not just after the blessing, not just after it all plays out in my natural mind, but I'm gonna praise him because that's what he's worth no matter what happens. This is when we share our story, but we do it, the Bible says, when we post on hate book, I mean Facebook. Easy, easy. It's 11. We get a little rowdy in the 11, okay? So it doesn't say that. It doesn't say do it harshly, like go around just blowing people up with truth bombs. It says, with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Why? So that those 
who speak maliciously against your good behavior may be ashamed of their slander. So we tell our story. I want to give you three little easy steps. Okay, I get it. It's unscripted. I don't have to rehearse it. How How do I do it? Start with the moment you found out you needed Christ. Just pause for a moment. I want you to think about that now. Maybe you haven't made that decision. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to do that. But if you've been, say, five minutes or 50 years, there was a moment when you decided God chose you, God made a way. It was by grace, but it was through your faith. It was the moment you decided to put faith in what God did for you. What was that moment like for you? It's good and healthy as a Christian to go back to that moment. The psalmist says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You want to know one of the most practical ways to have your salvation and the joy of that moment restored to you? Remember it. He who has been forgiven much loves much. And as I go back and rehearse the condition of my soul, what was happening in my life, what was not happening in my life, when I go there and I'm vulnerable, it just opens a door and builds a bridge because people can relate to that because they're either there or they've been there. My personal story is on paper, I looked good. I had and have, praise God, a beautiful wife. I was in a secular job. I was thankful for it. God was blessing me. On paper, my life looked good, but I was empty on the inside. I was building my kingdom at the expense of building God's kingdom, and therefore, when I laid my head on the pillow at night, I was unfulfilled. This is just telling you about the moment where I decided I was scared in both directions. What do you mean by that? I was scared of a faith commitment. I don't know what this means. What's this going to cost me? What do I have to change? I was scared that way, but I was also scared of staying the same. I was scared of living my life and waking up one day with the regret of wasting my life instead of using my life. This is a message of hope, but check it out. It's not just for them, and it will be. This message of hope will be for you. The Bible says you overcome the enemy by the word of your testimony. Come on, somebody. Every time you tell your story, heaven's strength comes in you, and you now find new strength to overcome those habitual struggles and sins that the devil likes to bring back into your life and go, hey, you're, you can't share this. You're a hot mess. Well, I know who I am. I was blind, but God, not me, made me see. And so I'm going to give him praise and glory. Now, I'm still a work in progress. And the Bible says when you do that, Pointing to Jesus, heaven's strength comes in on the inside of you, and you, you now can overcome the things that have been overcoming you. Whew. I'm about to run a lap in here. I'm getting excited. So when I knew I needed Jesus, the second one is how I committed my life to Christ. Okay, that's great. You talked about the moment you, you had that eureka moment, like, ah, ding, the lights come on. I get it. But then how did you do it? Many people think it has to be in a room like this, and this is a great room. This is a perfect place to get people to give them that experience, but it doesn't have to be here. The old covenant, God was in a building, but the new covenant, Christ in me, the hope of glory. God is not here because uh, he came before you got here. If you're a Christian, you brought him with you. Yeah, Yeah, amen, that's good news. And so my personal story, it didn't happen in a church. Now, I signed a bunch of cards and prayed a lot of prayers But nothing ever changed until God started stirring my heart 
And I was to the point to where I was scared more of not changing than I was about what the change is going to mean. And I just bowed my knee. Kristen remembers. She was probably like, what in the world is going on? I woke up and just slid off the bed. Probably like, you know, just like fell off. And I was just done. And here's, here's the moment. Surrender. Salvation in a word is when I surrender the control of my life and I give it over to the one who gave me life. It happened beside my bed. Where did it happen for you? How can you articulate that moment, not only when you realized you needed Jesus, but how you made a commitment? Here was mine. I don't know yours. It's my story. My story was I just prayed a sincere prayer and made a strong commitment. That's it. It's like, well, I want to make sure I pray the right words. And No, no, no. Just mean it with your heart. Believe God through Christ is who he says he is. And then commit to him. It's not based on a feeling. It's not based on knowing you're going to have a perfect track record. It's just based on putting your faith not in things but in God. And then we can do this last part and share the difference he's made in our life. Has God made a difference in your life? Was there some words and some websites and some substances and some bad thinking and some behavior things that you inherited generationally? Were there some things in your life evident before Christ that God has taken away? Share that. I've got a long list. We don't have time for it, but you have them too. You can also be real with people because Christianity is not just a pain-free life or a problem-free life. It's a purpose-filled and productive life. That it's not perfect. I still have tough days. But let me tell you about the faithfulness of God in every season. When everybody walked out, he said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Everybody has come and gone, but God has remained with me. He's brought me out of the pit. He's brought me through situations. I saw no outcome. And it hasn't been perfect. But let the redeemed of the Lord... Tell their story, Psalm 107 tells us. Number two, we're going to share our church. Share my church. Some of you may be like, I don't know about that, man. You can share your church, and I'll partner with you. Okay, if you don't feel comfortable yet, there's no condemnation. I would encourage you to challenge yourself to go there at some point. It's going to be liberating for you spiritually. I promise you. But until that moment, let's partner together. Share, share Palm City. I had a friend uh, tell me a month or two ago, he said, hey, I think our church is the best kept secret in town. I'm like, well, let the secret out. <laughs> Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. We have a lot of great churches in our city, but come on, share your church. Do you love your church, anybody? <laughs> share it. Share it. Here's how we can partner. I don't know who you know. And maybe perhaps you don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel. And if you'll bring someone far from God or just unchurched, they just don't have a community in this room, I'll make you a promise. I won't embarrass you and I won't embarrass them. But I also won't dilute the scripture and I will give them the truth of God's word straight out of the Bible so that they can make a decision for themselves. This is a big deal in our church. We want to reach our community. 68% of the Tampa Bay area is unchurched. That's a lot of people. 
And I love those that God has sent us. I'm thankful for it. We have no numerical goals. The only goal we have is eradicating the lost people in the place and the city that God has placed us in the time that God has given us. That's our goal. We're going to leave outcome to him, but we're going to be on mission to make disciples of those that are found in Christ and then go after the lost and let them know they don't have to stay the way they found them. God loves them and will accept them right there, but he's going to love them too much to leave them where he finds them. Share our church. Well, how do we do that? I want to say, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. The Bible says in Luke 14, go out into the country. Didn't say just gather in the building. Go out into the country and urge everyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Notice that's capital M, my house. This ain't Pastor Brian's house. This ain't your house. It's our house, but it's his house. And he wants it full and people are hurting and dying and our church is not a country club for the spiritual elite it is a hospital for the broken and hurting to which i'm one of may we never lose sight of that that we share our church in that way and here's the thing with summer we're going to pray for them because i can give you all the practical steps but it's not just practical it's prayerful we have to have god's hand and god's spirit on us helping us through this journey because when we come out of summer we can be in a spiritual slump And we can take a spiritual vacation. Anybody? Come on. I I need to get back to some routine. So we have seven days of prayer coming up. I want to invite you out. They're one-hour prayer services, August 20th through the 26th. That 20th is a Sunday. So church will be our day one. But then we'll have in-person meetings for one hour where we just pray, call on the heart of God, and pray for the lost in our city. God, use us. And may we see a harvest, not for our glory, but for his This coming fall, we're going to be a church of prayer. But we also have to help people right where they are. So once they get here, we got to help them. They may not want Jesus yet. They may just need help in their marriage. They may need just help in their parenting. They may need just to, I'm in the room. I'm considering it. I'm not yet ready, but that's okay too. We say belong, believe, become, belong before you. Where else can we let people figure it out? I can't change a heart anyway, but if I get them in a room where the presence of God is and where some people who aren't perfect but are friendly. Oh, I love a friendly Christian. (laughs) We shouldn't. There should be no adjective before Christian that's not friendly. But we just help them in practical ways. And then the third one is invite them. We have invite cards in the lobby. I would encourage you to grab one. Here's what it says. It's got a QR code that tells them about our church, but it says, if you're ever looking for a great church, I found one. Okay, so get these cards. And when you, when you have lunch today and you leave a tip, just leave them a card and meet a, meet a practical need, but give them a way to have a spiritual need met and share your church, share your church. Here's the thing. We have two service times, so don't invite them to the one you want to come to. Ask them what time they want to come and come to that one. Okay, pre-register their kids online. Just make it easy for them and just super easy to get them in this room. And I'm telling you, when you see their life begin to change in a service like this, it will be your favorite service. You won't remember the sermon. You won't remember the song set, but you will go, my friend went from death to life. My friend started a new relationship with the living God, the one true God, and the best is yet to come. Amen, church? So we're going to tell our story, and it's personal. You, You don't have to rehearse that, and that's what makes it so beautiful. And it can be as messy as messy can be. I I don't have a perfect story, but I serve a perfect God. And now I'm allowing His Holy Spirit to work His perfection in me. 
which unfortunately is going to take the rest of my life until I go to heaven. But God invites us all into that same journey. And number three, most importantly, we give them Jesus. Oh, I love this one. Just give them Jesus. Did you know we live in a post-Christian nation? America was founded on Christian principles, but we have since left those behind. Missiologists, those who study mission fields, would say America is the fourth largest mission field on the planet. We're no longer the ones just sending aid to the areas that need reaching for Christ. We are now one of them. You can go overseas, praise God. We love that. But you also can go to a local restaurant. You can go to your backyard. You can go to the soccer fields and find people that are hurting and far from God. The pandemic isolated us, and since then we've been redefining and realigning everything. But it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to light it back up. Light it up and say, hey, I know the way God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his name is Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but can have eternal life. That's how simple it is to give them Jesus. Well, you may have some objections. I don't know. I don't know the Bible. I don't know a lot. I'm new to Christianity. I'm just starting to read it myself. I, I don't know end times theology yet. I don't understand how politics, I mean, this or that. Here's what you can share. I don't know it all, but here's what I know. God loves you. And God has an amazing plan for you. And I can tell you from experience, it's brought a level of hope and healing in my life I thought I was too far gone for. But I have some bad news too. The devil has a plan for your life and he doesn't love you. And his plan, the Bible says in John 10, is he's a thief. Whatever God's trying to do, he's trying to come do three things to it. He's trying to steal it, kill it, and destroy it. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. There's, you see, there's, there's a challenge when you give them Jesus that you can present. The first is the problem. There's a problem. Hey, God loves you. He loves you so much, he gave heaven's treasure. His only, so he had one. And he gave him because he loves you so much. And he has an amazing plan for you. But I hate to, there's a problem. The Bible calls it sin. Sin is a separator. Sin is a gap, it's a chasm. It, it creates a divide between a God who loves you and you. So God loves you and he has a plan, but you can't experience it because of the problem, sin. Romans 3 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not just your problem. I'm in it with you too, it's my problem. You're not just a project to me. I'm a part of the whole problem too. I, I've got sin in my heart just like you. And here's what sin is. It's, it's simply just the area where you're missing the mark. It doesn't mean you have less love of God. It doesn't mean that God can't do something miraculous in your life. Sin, by definition, is just any area you're missing the mark. What is the mark? The mark that God said is best for you. He authored your life. You, you, you go to the owner's manual to find out how something works. 
If I have a car and I do, I can't fix it. I don't, I don't try to fix it with what I think it needs. I got to go to the owner's manual, the one who created it, the manufacturer, to understand how it was designed to run. So God's not telling you you're wrong and you're missing the mark because he doesn't love you. No, he, he knows how your life is supposed to operate. But there's a problem. It's called sin. And the Bible says the problem with sin is not only is a barrier, but it's real costly. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. Sin has a price, but I got good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So there's a solution. If sin is the problem, Jesus is the solution. And and I've got really good news because Jesus wants to do something in your life. And he didn't wait for you to get your act together. I grew up thinking that. When I, when I tidy up the sin issue, when I quit going to those websites, when I quit drinking that, smoking that, whatever it is for you, when I quit doing that, God can love me. Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still doing those things, Christ died for us. God made up his mind how he felt about you at your worst moment, not your best. No other God, no other religion even makes that claim. Other ones would just say, do better. Hey, come on, get your act together. Do, do a little bit better and that will be enough for your life. So you can just tell them as you're giving them Jesus, hey, there's a problem. The Bible calls it sin. It's a separator. And I'm sorry, God loves you and he sent his son and he, he paid the price for you, but that price is, is costly. Jesus answered in John 14 and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You, you, people say, well, why Jesus? Okay, the problem, why can't there be another solution? Why can't there be another pathway to heaven? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He was the only one who was sinless. And not needing something you're paying for is what qualifies you to be the benefactor or the, the substitute for it. The Bible says Jesus knew no sin, yet became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. And I could become the righteousness of God. So here's the picture. He became so you could become. Watch this. Christ didn't only die for you. He died as you. That was my cross. That was your cross. It wasn't his sin. The death bill wasn't his. He just stepped in and took your place. And so, friend, there's a problem. It's called sin, but I got good news. There's Jesus. And you can't find salvation in meditation. You can't find it in crystals. You can't find it in good works or behavior modification or energies or Buddha or anybody else. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else because there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we shall be saved. So friend, I don't know much. I'm still learning. But I know God loves you and has a plan for your life. To which I'm telling you, if we do it like this, they'll say, what do I do? And we can say the next verse. The Bible tells us the response. Here's the response to it all. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Oh, that's great news. Well, how do do I do that? Stop controlling your life. 
Lay down your burdens as we sing. Lay down your crowns. Lay down trying to lead yourself and let God lead you. The Bible says if you want to believe and accept Christ, then you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is with your heart inward that you believe and it is with your mouth outward that you confess and are saved. It's a settling something internally and then expressing it externally. It's realizing there's a problem. It's sin. It's a separator. But there's a solution. His name is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, if I would just accept and believe he is who he says he is, I will be saved. And so we just give our city Jesus. This, you can do this. I can do this. I believe this dynamic is happening now. Is God saying to you in this moment, hey, it isn't about time. You've been struggling to do things on your own for quite a while. You want to try my way? I love you. I want to help you remove that doubt, son, daughter. I want to help you walk away from that. I want to give you a fresh start. Would you receive me today? The Bible says in Revelation 3, Behold, these are the words of Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. God is messing with some of you. And the way he's doing it is he's a gentleman. He will be respectful and he will come in gentleness, but he is knocking on the door of your heart saying, hey, isn't it about time we stepped into faith and let go of fear? I know you're scared, maybe like Pastor Brian both ways, what it means and, but will you trust me? Will you trust that I am who I said I am and I will do what I said I'll do? And that I'll surround you with some people who aren't perfect, but they love me too and are learning to walk with me? God is doing that in this moment. But the question of our life, honestly, as we conclude this series, is twofold. It's, am I on a self-preservation mission fueled by fear? That's an option. I don't recommend it. Or am I on a God-glorifying mission fueled by faith? It's real life. Let's be fishers of men. Amen, church?